Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, I'm Matt Harmon and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast presented by Planters, satisfying your snack cravings for over 100 years. Dalton Deldon back on the show this week. Uh, that You know what? That is what satisfies me today, actually, Dalton. You don't even need to ask you the question because what satisfies me is that you're back in the saddle. We're back to our usual uh, Tuesday rhythm here, even though this is a weird short week with Thanksgiving, which is also, by the way, Thanksgiving rocks. Uh, there are any, I don't know if, if how you feel about Thanksgiving, Dalton, but I know there are some Thanksgiving haters out there. Um, they're ridiculous. It's a wonderful holiday. So I've got all the kinds of satisfaction this week with the fact Thanksgiving Giving is coming up close, and you're back with me today, Dalton, and uh, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Matt. Happy to be back. Thanks to Hayden Winks from Roto World for stepping in last week. But yeah, super pumped to be back. I'm, I'm satisfied to talk some football with you. And, and it's yeah, it's, it's Thanksgiving, man. We got three games we even get to preview this week. So uh, yeah, I'm fired up. Exactly. That's going to be fun. You could tell it's a short week because it's a it's a hat day for both of us, where neither one <laughs> of us has decided to make ourselves look presentable for this podcast. And that is what podcasting is all about. All right, let's jump into the love to see it here for our Tuesday show, or our Wednesday show, sorry. I, we're recording this on Tuesday, but it's a Wednesday show. You know the deal, people. Anyways, Devontae Adams. We're going to have a little fun with sample sizes here uh, on this show, especially for guys that have missed a couple games but are actually performing like studs on on balance this year. Devontae Adams, Dalton, um, I feel quite vindicated in this take because I've been trying to have Devontae Adams as the wide receiver one um, for for two years now. I had him there in 2019. I had him there again in 2020. Well, sure enough, despite the fact that he's base, he's missed two games and the better part of another one, so really about two and a half games, he is the wide receiver one on the season. He has 10 touchdowns, 847 yards, top 10 obviously in that category, 68 catches on 89 targets. Adams has not needed a full season uh, to be the most valuable, I, I, pretty much without question. I, I think it's almost not even, even though the, the scoring might be close, it's not even close, really. I think he's the most valuable receiver in fantasy right now. Yeah, it feels like I got everything wrong about this season, but one thing I did have right is Adams is my number one receiver also above Thomas entering the year. He's been so good uh, with the, the 10 touchdowns in eight games, uh, I believe. Last week, I was frustrated, and I had him in DFS, and I was waiting for that fi- that drive in overtime, and MVS lost a fumble immediately. Oh, Very frustrating on the afternoon slate, needed those those points. But oh, so what, what more can you say at this point? Just money in the bank. All those plays they run inside the five, um, you see what uh, Mahomes does, the little... the, the 
the scoops, but they actually they treat Adams like a, like a goal line receiver. It's really uh, it's it's nice to see inside the five there that he's just as likely to score as Aaron Jones. So it'd be a nice debate here if we had a draft. Are you taking Dalvin Cook or uh, or Devonte Adams in a PPR league right now? Whew, I mean, it's tough to go away from Cook because I think he's like the best player in fantasy right now. I feel like that's that's probably the correct answer. You know, you can, especially this year, like, by the way, Dalton, the, the top 10 among, you know, s- scoring receivers, there've been plenty of guys like Lockett, DK, um, you know, Terry McLaurin, who we were both excited about. Um, Justin Jefferson, Will Fuller, like these guys are in the top 20. They were not drafted anywhere close to like the first few rounds. Like, if you, it's always it's always stupid to say this, but if you pick the right players, you really could have made it work, cobbled together a, a situation at receiver where you're doing very well. Keenan Allen too, also way, way outside of the top few rounds. Calvin Ridley was like a third round pick. Stephon Diggs, you know, a sixth round, seventh round pick in in even like hardcore analyst leagues. Like this guy was a, a, a later round draft pick. So you could have made it work at wide receiver. I feel like despite the fact that Adams, like I said, it's in points per game, it actually really isn't close. He's at 22.1 points per game. Tyreek Hill is number two at 17.5. There's a pretty decent gap there. I feel like you got to go with the running back. Yeah, running back is this, yes, because of the position, it's such a mess there. This was zero to go, zero RB, apparently, and I was all all in on the running back position. Uh, but because of that, we sure, I, I, I would agree with you, Cook, number one, but then Adams is a slam dunk number two, and then it gets interesting for three, though. But those two have separated themselves right now. A couple other guys that are actually higher than most people think in terms of points per game. You know, they've also <clears throat> uh, missed two contests, these two Titans receivers. Corey Davis, A.J. Brown have played just eight games on the year, just like Devontae Adams. A.J. Brown, I I guess this is not surprising. He's wide receiver 10. Like any sort of efficiency concerns that people – or volume to efficiency concerns that people had coming into the year – He's pretty much wiped those out. He's really only had one bad game, uh, that Thursday night game against the Colts where the entire offense was stuck in the mud. And he just uncharacteristically had some bad drops in that game. But he's been awesome pretty much throughout the way. He's wide receiver 10 in points per game. But Corey Davis, his teammate, playing at a contract year, wide receiver 28 in points per game. And Dalton, I think this entire offense is actually pretty interesting to talk about because coming into this week, there was definitely some frustration I think around the Titans offense because you know uh the team as a whole had lost uh three of their last four games you know um they they were coming off that really bad game on Thursday night but they're kind of in the in the darkest point of their schedule right now like the first few weeks were pretty much a cakewalk they were killing it on offense then from week 7 to 12, these were the – and obviously we're still in week 12. These are their de- opposing DVOA uh, defensive rankings. Steelers, second. Bengals, 30th. That's the outlier. The Bears, third. The Colts, fourth. The Ravens, sixth. And obviously they'll get the Colts, fourth. Those are the rankings coming into last week. They haven't really been updated for this week yet. But basically, from week 7 to 12, the Colts play – I mean, the Titans played – you know, four of the only like five or six actually good defenses in the NFL this year. But good news, because when there is bad, there is good. From weeks 13 to 17, their opponents rank an average of 23rd. So the schedule is about to do a 180. You've already got Brown and Davis and obviously Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill pretty much all cooking at once. It's a good time to be buying in on the Titans offense. 
impressive games by those wideouts against tough uh, Baltimore defense last week. I know A.J. Brown had a, a drop, but he um, also uh, drew a long pass interference penalty. So, you know, I love Whopper. So I looked up uh, my favorite stat, basically weighted opportunity rating for the receivers, combination of target share and air share. And Corey Davis is actually surprisingly ranked 18th. Uh, on the year, top time, one spot ahead of Justin yeah. Jefferson. So while the Titans don't throw it a lot, it's a concentrated tree there. I know Johnny Smith scored the touchdown. I think he's hurt now, but he really fell off the map when both these receivers are healthy. But those three, Henry, Davis, and A.J. Brown, who ranked 16th. So two receivers, top 20 there in Whopper. It's a concentrated tree. So I think all three can remain definitely viable in fantasy. And as you mentioned, the schedule really eases up as well. Corey Davis, former number five overall pick. Um, it seemed like a no-brainer when they turned down his contract uh, before the year. So um, playing for, for a new one and looking good. And yeah, that's a really interesting team with upside come playoff time. It's funny that you mentioned Johnny Smith. Like, yeah, he had fallen back, but he's still tight end four on the year. Jeez. <laughs> oh, hey, another thing. I said I love tight ends this year. There's a yet another oh, thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's insane, man. Tight ends not only just bad, not only just normal, but like even worse. And you look at all of the intriguing, the Gasickis and Hawkinsons of the the fans and the Johnny Smiths. I could go on and on. It's just insane how, how bad it is. You know, 2020 is crazy, too, when Chris Herndon's catching a touchdown last week. Right. But yeah, tight end. That's, it. that's absolutely bonkers that John Smith's the number four tight end with how he's performed. Man, it's, um, you know, this is the time of the year where they start to cut back the fearless forecasts. Like we start to have to do fewer players. Uh, they cut back to 10 tight ends this week. And it was still kind of hard to talk about <laughs> 10 tight ends. I had tight ends this week for fearless work. I was like, it's still tough to find like 10 guys that are, you know what? You should probably start this one. I mean, there's 12 teams, typically 10 to 12, maybe 14 if you're crazy and more beyond that. Teams in a league it's still tough to find 10 tight ends to talk about. It's like, by the time you get to number 10, it's like, yeah, I guess you probably got to start Dallas Goddard, huh? Tough to be you, but you probably got to do it. So I, yeah. That's, hey, that's yeah. Hayden Hurst was held without a catch last week with Julio Jones leaving. Like what is happening? I mean, Mark it's Andrews has looked like he was going to be a monster after that first game. Step back. It's just on and, and on and on. It's uh, Evan Ingram looks horrific. It's, it's bad. Yeah. It's uh it's quite a mess. It was funny. You brought up Chris Herndon because we're going to talk about the jets um for a couple of reasons number one um i tweeted this out just before we got on the show uh the free agent class at wide receiver uh is is awesome this year like literally these these are the guys playing in the last year of the contract we just talked about Corey davis but chris godwin alan robinson kenny galladay juju smith schuster the aforementioned Corey davis curtis samuel will fuller and then you get to like the vagabond veteran guys, you know, T.Y. Hilton, A.J. Green, uh, Sammy Watkins, whatever. But it's like when you're talking about Sammy Watkins and, and T.Y. Hilton as like the potential seventh or tenth best guy in the class, this is a really good group of wide receivers. And I feel like the Jets specifically actually could be a great destination for one of these, like the top three guys like Godwin, Robinson, Galladay, because then you've got Trevor Lawrence, presumably, if they can hold on to this number one pick. Uh, Denzel Mims, who showed pretty well, mm. and then uh, Jamison Crowder in the slot. Like, that's not bad, but that's the future. In this current moment, Dalton, the, the Jets, uh, I don't know if anyone really loves to see this, but the Ravens of old, as their current offense is struggling, their one-time dreams of the Joe Flacco to Brashad Perryman connection are coming true in New York. Uh, with Joe Flacco under center, these are Brashad Perryman's stat lines. Four catches, 62 yards. Five catches, 102 yards, two touchdowns. Last week, two catches, 54 yards, one touchdown. 
He has 121 air yards over the last four weeks. That puts him at sixth. Uh, pretty surprising stuff, especially as a lot of uh, DFSers, myself included, have chased Mims on the cheap. First of all, I love Mims in dynasty formats for the, uh, yes. Trevor Lawrence next year. He has passed the eye test in his brief work. I know he's dealing with an, but he's dealing with an injury now. And Perryman just video game like workout metrics. He's a hundred percentile in the forty and 99th in speed score, and he's like six two two twenty or something. So I mean, obviously the skills are there, and now he's getting opportunity. Flacco, obviously they're no good in real life, but if he's throwing all those air yards downfield, he could be a, a sneaky option. But Trevor Lawrence next year with Wade, Wade Denzel Milne. Mims has looked uh, definitely throw some trade offers there in dynasty formats. Yeah, I would agree with you. And and like Perryman was kind of an underrated signing. I mean, it was easy to dunk on them because they just haven't set Sam Darnold up for success at all. When like your big ticket free agent signing is Rashad Perryman, that's not real, not good. Uh, and then you wait till um, the second day to draft a receiver from this. I mean, Makai Beckton was an awesome pick, so you can't really dunk on them too much for that. But like Perryman was always set up to succeed because I think on balance over the last couple of years, like with Cleveland in Baker Mayfield's rookie year and then Tampa last year when called upon, like when he's been asked to step up, he has stepped up. He's doing it right now. I think this just makes like Sam Darnold look worse, <laughs> look worse. The fact that Flacco is kind of cooking with these guys when uh, Darnold is obviously not able to. Yeah, Perryman was maybe the wide receiver one the final three weeks last year if you counted week 17. I know it was like a carnival atmosphere in Tampa Bay, so people probably wrote it off because of that. But go look at the box score. Those are big numbers regardless of how favorable the situation was. So, um, yeah, and Sam Darnold's advanced stats look really ugly. And uh, he's the guy that's so intriguing for, you know, an option for a 49ers. I mean, he's so young. So I'm I'm curious how he's going to perform once he, you know, gets away from Gase. But he might just be bad also. So, that, yeah, that is it. But, but, but Perriman is, 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 is definitely on the fantasy radar now, and Flacco uh, is, is more competent than I expected. Yeah, Dolphins in Week 12, the Jets' next opponent. You're probably not going to want to really be too excited about the passing game because Miami's got a good defense. Uh, but then Las Vegas, Seattle, the L.A. Rams, and Cleveland, you know, there's some good spots in there that, like, if, if Perryman's continuing to play well, if Mims is continuing to get opportunity – there's some good spots there uh, for, you know, whether it's a deeper league or, or cheap DFS flyers, you're, you're, you're looking at Mims and Perryman in that sort of spot. Last guy we're going to talk about in sort of this uh, small sample but exciting um, note, Justin Herbert. I mean, Justin Herbert is exciting all on his own, but he's QB8 on the year despite not playing in uh, his, in the first game of the year. Obviously, surprising second start. He's been awesome, and things are about to get awesomer because apparently, uh, as we're recording here, the Chargers, uh, this is from Tom Pelissero, the Chargers plan to designate running back Austin Eckler for return from injured reserve this week. It's not clear if he's going to play Sunday against the Bills. Would be a juicy matchup if he does play against the Bills, but Eckler's going to practice for the, the first time. I talked to Austin Eckler last uh, week. Yeah um he's he's great uh he's 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 feeling good um it's been a long kind of layoff but the last couple of weeks he's transitioned from you know the the medical staff to the strength and conditioning conditioning staff taking over that portion of the rehab um this offense needs him man because they've been feeding touches to freaking Kalen Balage, you know uh the last couple Who of weeks left immediately by the way I thought it was the same thing was gonna happen to me in DFS after Justin yes. Jackson left the first snap Balage limped off immediately I seriously I'm like dude this is not happening again but he at least came back and saw a bunch of targets but yeah I was, I, I was gonna bring up man you you tell us about Eckler I know you talked to him because that's huge news him coming back in this 
the charters, wow, like secretly yeah. elite, elite setup there at the skill positions. Right. I mean, and and it's a good offense too because you know Hunter Henry has started to. The, the charters are are ninth right now in weighted DVOA, which weights more recent performances uh, over the course of the year. So I mean, they're a top ten offense. They're exciting. They should be winning a lot of games, by the way. <laughs> but that's another discussion. Like you've got Keenan Allen, who is a top five receiver in fantasy right now you know just just oh, value wise like he's been awesome mike williams we know that mike williams is a little hit or miss but he has the profile of a guy that can make your week and he was that was a guy who was drafting everywhere this offseason and um continue to, to play him in, in dfs a lot because he has that big play potential with justin herbert hunter henry hunter henry has even started to come on he's been over 90 percent of the snaps the last four weeks Two touchdowns in back-to-back games, and he's playing the Bills this week, who, by the way, give up the most yards to tight ends. You can tell I did tight end fearless forecast this week. <laughs> uh, he gave up the most yards to tight ends this week, like in a, in a landscape where we had kind of said Henry was one of these disappointing guys. He's not putting up a ton of yards because they've got Allen, they've got Williams, and they're obviously still throwing to the running back. They'll definitely still be throwing to the running back when Austin Eckler's there. But this is an offense that down the stretch, the pieces are pretty clear, roles are pretty clear, and they're playing with a guy in Justin Herbert that – He's a top 10 fantasy quarterback. I, I don't think it's crazy to say that right now he's a top 10 real life quarterback. That's how well he's been playing. I don't think it's crazy at all. I think I think uh, Field Yates tweeted he's the only rookie ever with three passing touchdowns in five games. I mean, just crazy. Unbelievable. I, you could pick the high, pick out of a handful of highlights each week. I mean, the not just the deep throws, but he threw this one on the move that that bullet in the end zone last week. Uh, Todd McShay went on ESPN and doubled down, basically saying that uh, he's not winning games. So I was right; he was a bad prospect. Win a game one time is what he said. Oh, so I lost all dog. respect for that dude in any of his college. Uh, <laughs> Uh, pro- prognostications moving forward because I, I I heard the same thing I, I ranked him low myself but man this guy it, clearly everyone or most were wrong and he is a star already right now I'm with I don't know why it's weird they're not winning games uh, but wow uh, dude I'm so jealous man I mean I would trade my you tra- to have a franchise quarterback that age look like that I mean you'd almost trade your next five drafts to have someone like someone like that seriously and like you know, this is another thing about the wide receiver position too right now. Like Keenan Allen is somehow only 28 years old. He's been playing for a long time, but like there are no, you're a guy that loves to go sort of with the youth movement. Uh, this has been the year to do that at wide receiver. The highest yeah. ranking wide receiver in yards is Julio Jones at 31 years old. Uh, and, and he's, I think 18th or 19th among wide receivers. Nobody higher than that is over 30 years old. Like this is, this is a young man's position. Allen included. Williams is obviously playing really well. He's young. You know, he's got a contract situation to figure out at some point soon. But, like, Eckler's locked up long-term. Henry's on the franchise tag. We'll see what happens there. But, like, Herbert, obviously, on the cheap, too. You know, the Chargers have a a real good opportunity to build around an already strong existing ecosystem for Herbert. And just for this year, the rest of their schedule is Buffalo in Week 12, New England, Atlanta, (laughs) Las Vegas, wow. Denver. Obviously, they finished with Kansas City in Week 17. We probably don't care about that for fantasy, but like those are all just bombs away. Great matchups for this team. Like, I think if you drafted a lot of Chargers players and you know, just right for the wrong reasons here, Matt Harmon <laughs> drafted a lot of Chargers players this offseason, you're going to feel pretty good about your stretch run. 
Man, all the targets Keenan Allen seeing, you just, yeah, he's borderline top three in PPR leagues. Mike Williams, hope he stays healthy because he gets, puts his body in peril with all those, uh, just, oh those God, deep yeah. balls. But he looks like, yeah, such a valuable real life player. And, and Herbert, the fact that he also adds rushing yards for fantasies, it's almost unfair. So yeah, the setup is so good there. And, uh, unfortunately, they probably need a new coach to, uh, to make that, uh, re- result in more wins on the, on the real field. But, uh, yeah, yeah that's a probably. great situation. Hopefully it'd be nice if LA actually embraced that team and got into Herbert I guess you know he's a, a quiet guy but uh man what a fun player to watch hey, listen I'm I'm ready to embrace the Chargers and I'm in LA okay good you know, I'm, in a, good. I'm, I'm yes. here I'm Do ready it. to Do I'm it. ready to embrace the Chargers um but it is pretty tough that even like the few there's not a ton of Chargers fans uh left here in existence but like the few that are anytime I tweet about like man I'm ready to kind of embrace the Chargers they're like don't do it because <laughs> they know that even if Herbert like it's so bad that like they have the most precious item literally in sports a young quarterback that's playing like a superstar in his rookie season and they're still like I don't know like we're too we're too screwed up don't don't get involved with us so we'll see um let's move on to the trends that we hate to see let's get negative here um I was pers- I loved uh, Taysom Hill, his, his performance. It was awesome. It was great to see. I think it was good for him to shut up uh, some of the kind of, in my opinion, just like weirdly negative talk around him, at least for one week. Uh, but the thing you hate to see coming out of that start, Alvin Kamara, uh, you know, we might remember that we had this sort of debate with Tyrod Taylor and Austin Eckler in the preseason, uh, but pass catching backs typically don't jive well with those mobile quarterbacks because their first instinct when chaos arrives is to take off and run, not necessarily dump it down to uh, the the tertiary receiving option there. But, you know, this could just be a one-week blip, but this is what we got coming out of week 11 with Taysom Hill. Routes run for the season, uh, on average for, uh, for Alvin Kamara, 23 in week 11, just nine. Targets per game on the season, 8.1. Week 11, one. <laughs> not what you want to see there. Yeah, I believe it's the first game of his career without a catch. Um, I do not believe this is an anecdotal thing. Like, rookie quarterbacks will tend to throw to their tight ends. This is a real thing with running quarterbacks. Yes, don't agreed. like to dump off to their running backs. That's just uh, the way it typically is. Uh, and uh, Taysom Hill really surprised me. He was good in the pie. I know that one deep throw people have made fun of that he somewhat simultaneously checked down and went deep on Emmanuel Sanders at the same time. But otherwise, he's good connection with Michael Thomas. Um, he was better than I thought, not just for fantasy. I liked him for fantasy because he was going to run, but uh, that'll be interesting to get Sean Payton uh, designing a game plan around a mobile Drew Brees. Um, yeah, you got to like what you saw. They're going to be tougher, totally different environment in Denver this week. Um, and for Kamara, very bad news. Very, very bad news, yeah. especially if you're in a PPR format. Obviously, with the running back situation, he's still a top 10 guy, but he goes from in the conversation, you know, one or two or whatever, right behind Cook, a healthy Cook, to now, yeah, it's going to be a big ding because he shares carries with Latavius Murray, like legitimately shares them. So um, it's nice to see the offense will be in good hands with Hill. Um, and, and again, Camaro will be an RB1, but this is without a doubt a significant hit to his value. Yeah, Camaro too, like, uh, he, he's he's finished with uh, up until this year he's finished with 81 catches in every single season every game. at 67 every this game. year he's got a pretty good chance to finish with just 81 <laughs> if this is how this is gonna that's go funny. that's funny. Uh, he like laps the field too in terms of running back receptions he's at 67 uh mike davis is number two at 49 so uh yeah it's it's definitely a problem only 117 carries on the year but you still love the touchdown equity and like in one way if the Taysom Hill experience was going to be a complete train wreck like 
and he was there he was going to wreck like Camara's floor and ceiling if the offense is bad. At least the fact right, that Hill was right. viable mm-hmm. and you, listen, goofballs, we know that it was the Falcons and the Falcons are trash. Good news, the Falcons are on their schedule again in week 13. Uh and they're Oh, they're also plenty- secretly good again. They're like the fourth fewest fantasy points to running backs, too. So yes. that, I know that might seem like a good matchup on paper for Camara, but maybe not. One other thing of cold water though, it's not just the receptions. You now have a goal line runner down there, Hill, That's like true. you know. I mean, he's not exactly Newton, but he's going to take away some rushing touch. Now you just saw him do two right away. So this is a hit for Camara's value. I, I, I unfortunately it's definitely a hit. I would just say that, like, it could have been worse, right? Because if the offense was truly yeah. going to be, like, horrific, Agreed. Agreed. Then, it would have, then it would have been, like I said, then he has no ceiling and he has no floor because of the, recept- the pass-catching problems. At least in this situation, Hill ha- looks like he's going to keep the offense viable enough that Kamara is still, uh, you know, not obviously not a goal-line threat necessarily. Or I mean, he has, he's, he's been a good goal-line back throughout his career, but, like, obviously Hill's going to take some, some, some of those reps. You still like the fact that the offense is good enough that Kamara, as the figurehead of that offense, is going to be uh, is going to be still more involved. So it's definitely a hit. I don't think you can argue around that. But it, like I said, could have been worse. Um, one other trend that people might hate to see: people have still like romanticized the Robbie Anderson experience in Carolina because of that early season run. And and to be fair, he's still top ten in the NFL in yards, um, but. He hasn't crossed 80 yards since week five. Uh, He's been under 50 yards in several of his last few games. Right now, he's wide receiver 13 over the course of the season versus DJ Moore, who's wide receiver 14. Uh, And by the way, like there's still some people out there like complaining about DJ Moore. You got to shut up at this point if you've got DJ Moore and you're whining about the the target distribution in Carolina because it's sort of it's been pretty even all along. And now at this point, Moore is fourth in the NFL in receiving yards. He's kind of taken back that place as the top receiver. Also averages 18 yards per catch, which coming into the year, I didn't think the deep game was really even close to the strongest part of DJ Moore's uh, arsenal. But it really has become that this year. So what do you think uh, has changed over the last couple of weeks? Because the targets still go Robbie Anderson's direction. The last four weeks, nine targets a game, 6.8 for Moore. But the usage has changed there in terms of how they deploy these guys. Yeah, this does keep changing throughout the year. Uh, Robbie Anderson, I believe he's historically low touchdown production for someone who ranks eighth in target share this year. And I believe he hasn't scored since week one. Uh, one target in the red zone over the last six games, uh, or two targets in just one game in the last six. Uh, definitely been a shift there. I'm ranking him, uh, I don't know, where do you make it? Well, your guy Curtis Samuel's doing it too. It's weird now with P.J. Walker. Looked vi- uh, certainly uh, not not a total flop. Two bad picks in the end zone, but he carried uh, targeted all three of them just fine. Uh, if Christian McCaffrey's injury is going to linger, and Mike Davis looks, uh, I don't know, like he didn't have a whole, he had a few good games in him early, uh, but they might just have to rely on those three receivers, whoever plays quarterback, and and um, just rotate them based on the matchups. But, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, there's an argument that Anderson has fallen to third on the pecking order after looking like the clear number one through the first half. Yeah, no, I mean, the fact that there's no, like, tight end to speak of in this offense in terms of usage, like, is actually right. a, is actually pretty good news for yep. these wide receivers. Like, all of them are going to continue to remain viable because, you know, Ian Thomas is not, is not a thing at all. Just since week eight, the targets actually go – 27 for DJ Moore, 36 for Robbie Anderson, 29 for Curtis Samuel. Like, that's the key here why this has changed a little bit is Samuel has – like, 
Number one, he's healthy. He was actually coming into the year uh, dealing with the hamstring injury that he had in training camp, which is why I think Robbie Anderson like clearly became there so much go. more involved yeah. early. Uh, Samuel has become that guy. Also, like the the average depth of target for uh, Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson, they're both right around like that seven point whatever range. Like they're actually being used pretty similarly. Like Anderson had always been more of uh, a shorter area guy than we thought in Carolina, but it's become even more drastic the last few weeks. So like they want to get him on those crossing routes uh, over the middle to use his speed. Obviously Teddy Bridgewater, like not the most downfield guy, but those big plays are working for DJ Moore. 13 average depth of target, 19.7 yards per catch. Like he's become the big play guy of this offense from a vertical sense. And then Curtis Samuel, three touchdowns in over the last four weeks. He's become the big play guy in scoring area and also in that little short range, like, you know, the, the layup routes or whatever. So Anderson has definitely been left out in the cold. And yeah, just one touchdown on the season. Not what you want to see. Yeah, Samuel, to your point, six red zone targets the last three games and two red zone rushes. So, uh, yeah, he, they're just being used differently when you get in that scoring area, which is uh, kind of ironic considering Robbie Anderson's six foot three. You know, I think he'd be a, a decent target there down in the red area, but that's not the way it's going. Yeah, I mean, whatever. All the Curtis Samuel uh, haters can can eat it. That's all. Yeah, he looks great. <laughs> That's, all no, he looks awesome. That's all I got to say. I don't care about anything else in Carolina. As long as Curtis Samuel stays involved, stays healthy, free agent after this year, too. Uh, I know they really want to keep him, but we'll see. They might uh, They might end up moving on because DJ Moore has got a big contract coming up at some point. And Robbie Anderson, they paid him the last few years, too. But, yeah, it's crazy. Just the target distribution in Carolina. All three of those guys, you don't see this very often, but all three wide receivers are over 20% of the targets the last four weeks. Ian Thomas at like 5, 5% of the targets. And then uh, Mike Davis still has a good receiving role at 11%. So Yes, Samuel, uh, we'll Corey see. Davis, the two guys at the end of their rookie deals. You just needed to wait. Uh, this took a little bit longer than expected, but their, their, their breakouts are finally here. Hey, like I said, you love to see it. All right, we wanted to once again thank our sponsor for this episode, Planters. When you want to satisfy a salty craving, Planters has you covered. Their deluxe mixed nuts are roasted to perfection and seasoned with sea salt, giving you the crunchy texture and enhanced flavor you crave. Stay satisfied with Planters Deluxe Mixed Nuts. All right, pop quiz time, Dalton. Over the last four weeks, Tom Brady, your guy, Tom Brady, not really at all. You were actually very anti-Bucks coming into the year. Tom Brady has thrown 19 passes over 20 air yards. Of those 19, how many would you guess were completed? Yeah, I, I, I did see the answer to this, unfortunately, but that's a Damn big uh, squadoosh. Uh, zero, right? Zero, but three interceptions. Love well, it. He has completed a three. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. He made a couple poor throws Monday night. Uh, the, it's funny the whole uh, going past his bedtime uh, once again. A disappointing primetime performance for uh, for Brady. What are you making of this? Is it is it possible that um, you know you take the hits and the age? This is just what should have been expected as the year carries on, and you know the age maybe okay. It didn't all come suddenly, but maybe this is a cumulative effect and just starting to to wear on, on someone who's forty three and a half years old. Well, number one, I just want to say I am furious that I did not come up with the Tom Brady bedtime narrative. Uh, that is <laughs> yeah. genius. I think it's a shout out to Hayden Winks and John Daigle from uh, Roto World on that one. Or maybe it's been going on elsewhere, too. But that's uh, I think I've seen them tweet about it. Like, that's gorgeous. Love that. Maybe that is the answer to their primetime struggles. But I think the biggest thing with Brady is, number one, not a, he wasn't a good 
vertical thrower last year. Dalton and I, we talked about this on the podcast coming into the year that there was no really like this was the weird mesh of of the Bruce Arians like Tom Brady marriage was that Arians loves to test vertically. He loves to throw the ball down the field, but Brady hasn't been that guy for for quite some time. So that's like no surprise. I also think they're continuing to try to get this Antonio Brown thing to work from a vertical perspective. It's not working. I, I still think it was a bad move like to give in to Brady's like obsession with making it work with Antonio Brown. Like and Brown looks okay. I mean, he looks fine, but it's just they're not there. They're they're not there yet at this point. And it's not as if these guys despite Brady's like love affair with him it's not like these guys have a storied history of working together they were together for like a cup of coffee in new england last year before brown got booted out the door and the biggest problem i think with brady is again it's cliche but when you're 43 years old it's tough to move when the pocket breaks down right now pro football focus has him with a 55 passer rating under pressure that is like way outside the top 30 among guys who have started a significant amount of games this year. So it's not good. And, and, and that, that offensive line on balance is pretty good. But when you go against a team like the Rams or like Mm -hmm. the saints that have blue chip players up front, you're going to get rocked. Warren Sharp has also been on the Brady narrative, the bedtime thing, which is not just a joke. Apparently the last four years, he made a concerted effort to go to bed at 8.30 p.m. every every night, which is just hilarious, thinking that he's now living with Antonio Brown. Um, but that's weird, just though, to- right? Like, But isn't that weird? Because, I mean, it's not as if the Patriots haven't played a bunch of primetime yeah, games. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's just a funny thing to talk about. Yeah, it's probably It is probably, definitely. That's what I said. It's funny, and I wish... It's yeah. funny, and I wish I had come up totally. with it, but nevertheless. So, I think you did come up with the right answer here, though, is this just the pressure, man. When it's getting to him, he's been extra bad, especially uh, just you know at this stage of his career. And they were missing a lineman last night, and Aaron Donald, Donald, obviously a tough opponent. The Rams allowing by far the fewest yards per play in the NFL this year. There's an argument they do have the best uh, defense there. I mean, Ramsey playing so well. Um, mm-hmm. The Bucks have not had their bye yet, so maybe that, that helps. That they, maybe they can recharge yeah, their batteries there. There. I mean, the late buy there could be a huge blessing, especially, you know, incorporating Antonio Brown midseason. So, um, yeah, certainly uh, there's some um, some concern here with, with Brady. Um, uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch where we move uh, forward here. I mean, he's fired up. I mean, he's snubbing Jerry he's Goff uh, after pissed. the game. Uh, he's pissed. So he's going to he, yeah, he's all these drops by the running back. Can you can you how did they survive with Leonard Fournette dropping those half yard Dude, gains? Enough. They would have gone out of those. I don't know how he, he he's definitely fired up over that. So, yeah, this is going to be a fun team. And oh, this week. A home game against the Chiefs? Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be tuning in for that one. Tom Brady, let me give you a piece of unsolicited advice from a guy that has accomplished next to nothing in his entire life while you've accomplished plenty. <laughs> next time you want to throw a fit and get like one of your guys in there, maybe make sure it's James White and not Antonio Brown. How about that? Because like I feel like this offense could use James White a hell of a lot more – they could use Rex Burkhead more than they could use uh, Antonio Brown. Like, and Burkhead obviously now out for the season, tough break there. But like, Fournette, man, I mean, I don't understand. Like, maybe Ronald Jones can't catch. Len Fournette obviously had some problems catching the ball on <laughs> Monday night. But like, the Jaguars figured this out. Like, you can throw the ball to Fournette, and he can catch it, and he can put up good receiving numbers. But there's no juice after the catch. There's nothing going on there. Like, he's a net negative for the offense. Get him out of there. That's a problem. I, it's just a weird team, man, and I feel like Bruce Arians, you know, 
today he said like i don't think yeah. tom brady's like recognizing coverages out there it's like i love it do you re- bruce do you regret this like deal with the devil that you made i, I maybe he does because I, it's not as it's not as if he misses Jameis winston let me tell you the people who are like want to see Jameis winston back on this bucks team i feel like they forgot how that went literally just yeah. last year like maybe he would throw yeah. 35 touchdowns instead of 30 or whatever, but he's still throwing 40 picks or something like that. that it, Jameis Winston, yeah. that just is what it is. But I don't know. To your why point, is Arians though, antagonizing Brady like that? It's hilarious. I love it. It's funny. I have no idea why great. he's doing that, though. It makes no sense. It's great. Yeah, it's great. I mean, we know that Belichick, like, coaches people hard. Like, there's no doubt that Brady, you know, got reamed in meetings and stuff like that. It's not as if Brady has been, right. you know, coddled like a little baby his entire career with, with Bill Belichick. But he's definitely not used to getting uh, no. publicly slammed like this. But you know what? I love it. Keep doing it. It's fine. No, it's if great. this thing falls apart. Won't be a surprise to me, but um, it is what it is. To your point, though, the upcoming schedule for this team, Kansas City in Week 12, that's, you know, their defense is pretty aggressive, too, in terms of, like, Chris Jones. They've got uh, Frank Clark. Like, a lot of these pass rushers are, are good in Kansas City. I think their they're pass defense is not great, but it's a little underrated. It's certainly not to the level of teams like the Rams. But then they get their bye week in Week 12 for Brady to get to bed early and often. Uh, that's great. <laughs> Then the rest of the way, Minnesota, a 10 a.m. Pacific start. Atlanta, a 10 a.m. Pacific start. Uh, We'll see Detroit in week 16 about that one. But then Atlanta, week 17, 10 a.m. Pacific start. Like all soft defenses. Brady's getting out there early. Good stuff. We love to see that. Um, yeah, so I don't know. This this Bucks offense could finish the year strong because they're not going to have a ton of uh, imposing defensive fronts. But – it's definitely problematic right now. They they do have like despite the great personnel they have, they do have very clear defined weaknesses. And Tom Brady is not washed, he's not finished, but he's part of the he's part of the issues that are holding this offense back. Yeah, man, look at that schedule. He has three games in Tampa, a bye, and then two road games in a dome. So the old man gets breaks again, no cold weather he has to deal with. He probably looked at all that before he made a decision, but at least that sets up favorably fantasy managers as well. I mean, look, Atlanta twice and the Lions in Minnesota. That looks pretty pretty uh, enticing down uh, for the fantasy playoffs. Exactly. Dalton talked about the Lions and things being roasted to perfection. Uh, Thanksgiving. It's Thursday. We've got no Thursday pod this week because of the holiday. So that puts us, me and you, in a rare position to preview three games for this week. Let's jump in. Uh, the appetizer is, oh, jeez, God in heaven. It's the, the freaking Lions again. You see on the board, the Detroit Lions are canceled. Um, I'm so just embarrassed. For, I mean, I don't care about them, but I'm embarrassed for them. What happened to them last week? Um What are you looking at in this game uh, between a Lions team that I would love to fire into the sun and a Houston team with a quarterback in Deshaun Watson that is is really not getting getting enough credit for playing like MVP level of quarterback right now coming off a great game uh, against New England? Yeah, Yahoo's got a DFS slate you can do for Thanksgiving. Should be some uh, some. In, well, what what else are you gonna do? Sit there, sit with your family. 
Um, Deshaun Watson looks uh, amazing, man. He'd be uh, he's playing like an MVP this year. He'll get no votes, but he's he's been fantastic. Obviously, Duke Johnson's uh, burnt burnt people two weeks in a row, and no one wants to use him despite the awesome uh, matchup. But Fuller, Cooks, I have ranked both the borderline top fifteen guys this week, and Kiki Kuti is a sleeper in PPR formats with Cobb out in this matchup. Uh, the, the the Texans are uh, such a nice setup for receivers. Uh, they can't run the ball, and they have a horrible uh, defense, and they have a star at quarterback. So uh, it's a uh, uh, it's a nice setup there if you're looking for a sleeper. And then Jordan Aikens kind of quietly emerged as the, the guy running the most yes. routes at tight end. Even Farrell Brown, I believe, had more routes than Darren Fells. So Aikens is, uh, as you said, the tight end situation so bad right now. So Aikens would be a sleeper there. And then Detroit um, I, it comes out, it was Kenny G playing or not. Apparently that's just so dramatic of a difference there. Yeah. And it's so frustrating that DeAndre Swift looked like a borderline top five fantasy back down the stretch. And now, obviously, uh, that, that situation's a mess. How does on Johnson, um, that, that's crazy that he can't even fight off a 35-year-old Adrian Peterson in that matchup last week. Well, the the damn uh, the damn Lions are so stupid. Like, they keep trying to make it happen. Like, they ran the ball so much in the first uh, few drives last week. It was just so – like I said, it's embarrassing. And, you know, I feel for Matt Stafford because, for one, he, much like Deshaun Watson, probably deserves better than this. Uh, but also, he spent a lot of time on the COVID list. He's been dealing with injuries. Like, he's not practiced a ton of late. So, like, I think Houston could uh, come in. Like, if Watson just, you know, national TV game, like, I think they could really come in and just put it on uh, Detroit. If you're playing on the DFS slate, though, I don't hate Duke Johnson. Because, like, pro- don't start him in a season-long league because you probably have better options. But if you're playing Thanksgiving DFS – he has been like basically the only Houston back getting any work since David Johnson's been put on IR and Detroit does rank 24th uh, against the run this year in, in football outsiders metrics. So like there, there's a, there's a chance, right? Like, like there's a chance. They actually, by a wide margin, have allowed the most fantasy points to opposing running backs, the, the Lions, too. So, yeah, you're probably right. And maybe, well, if there's only three games. I don't know about his roster percentage being too low, but people won't want to use him. They'll, they'll be frustrated. No, Certainly yeah. people that used him last two weeks. So, yeah, you talk. that's, that's a good, uh, yeah, maybe you talk me into him there. Antonio Gibson's $1 more, but it's not like there's many running backs to choose from uh, on that slate. So, uh, yeah, you, you, yeah, you said it. he gets all the snap share there in Houston. But, man, he's, he's not come through. But um, Watson doesn't love dumping off to him, but... Um, Given the slate in that matchup, sure. All the casuals will be all over Zeke. Uh, we'll talk about the the third game, which is in a lot of hot water for a lot of different reasons. But there's a running back in that game that will be very popular in DFS. I could, as contrarian as you can possibly be on the Thanksgiving slate, Duke Johnson, not the worst thing in the world. All right, let's move on to the next game, the main course. Dallas Cowboys, Washington football team for a battle of NFC East, uh, unglory, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we're recording on Tuesday. Um, Cowboys have a serious situation going on with one of their uh, personnel members, non-COVID related, but we'll, we'll leave that alone uh, for now. Like Andy Dalton throwing to – like the Dalton, you got to love the Dalton to Dalton stack there, uh, Andy <laughs> Dalton to Dalton Schultz. But like uh, he made – like I thought it was good to see him pretty comfortable, like got better as the game went on against Minnesota. Uh, Washington, we kind of know what to do with with their offense, right? It's It's – Terry McLaurin, um, Antonio Gibson, like Alex Smith is keeping these guys afloat. And even Logan Thomas does have four catches in five games this year. Uh, One of those games was against Dallas last time they played. 
Yeah, Andy Dalton certainly looked uh, healthy. Andy Dalton made the Dallas offense look far more competent, but probably not good enough to uh, to keep three wide receivers and a tight end fantasy relevant. No. So one, you know, maybe Gallup looks like the outside looking uh, outside looking in for now. Ceedee Lamb, what a nice catch in the end zone. Um, Ezekiel Elliott fighting through those hamstring issues, but um, yeah, he, you, you got to roll with him, and it definitely helpful that Dalton has that offense at least moving the chains a little bit. And then Alex Smith, you know, not great. It's 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 not great. And Logan Thomas disappointed last week but you're firing up McLaurin and you're firing up Gibson and hoping for some uh, a bunch of targets from McKissick but uh uh the one thing I will say is Washington has defended opposing wide receivers pretty well so even with uh with Dalton's return I'd keep expectations in check for the Cooper and Lamb on, on Thanksgiving yeah I I like um I like Antonio Gibson in this spot. You know, Dallas yeah. obviously had his one of his bigger games. He's running back ten on the season because he scored wow. eight touchdowns. Like, like if you drafted him, you're loving this. Like, it, it's all happened for him. Even though, I mean, twenty seven catches is nothing to sneeze at. You'd obviously like it to be a little bit more. Uh, but McKissick has been there. McKissick has been that guy. Uh, but still, you like. Gibson because Smith has kept the offense on schedule. He's kept them competent. Like it's not great. Like you said, it's not ever going to be great. This is Alex Smith coming off a horrific injury and also being, um, you know, at the twilight portion of his career. But like, I think he's easily been their best quarterback this year and he's getting the ball to McLaurin. He's getting the, like getting the offense into scoring position for Antonio Gibson to finish drives. I like Washington in this game. Uh, just their their main skill position players. Like we'll see. Dallas's defense has definitely improved, though. I think like yes, right. The 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 rumors and the talk out of Dallas was that this defense was too hard. You know, the scheme was uh, too confusing. It feels like guys are finally starting to gel a little bit. Opponent, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins still dice them up, obviously, but their defense isn't like a complete clown show to the point that. I think the, the obviously the most highest scoring game of the slate will be uh, Detroit and Houston. They have a 51 uh, over under right now. The only of the three games that's over 50. But I feel like we kind of know how to attack with Washington's offense. And then, yeah, for, for, for Dallas, I mean, this is a decent pass defense overall. Obviously, like uh, this is the team that Andy Dalton got hurt against last time. Uh, their offensive line is still pretty problematic, uh, but – I wouldn't be I, – I I agree with you. I, I can't really get too excited about any of these receivers because, like, one of them will probably catch a touchdown. One of them will have a pretty decent floor. Cooper was that guy last week. And one will get totally left out in the cold. But, like, having to play the guessing game there is pretty hard to do. Antonio Gibson, 29 carries the last two weeks. I believe he had 33 in his college career. Eight red zone That's carries the last <laughs> – two weeks so he's getting i mean it's number 10 fantasy running backs that that is wild there um so yeah you gotta you gotta roll with him uh dfs or obviously um if you have him on your team what a what a value he's turned into be man doesn't matter who's playing quarterback too yeah exactly um washington allows the second fewest yards on the year to slot receivers so maybe this is not the matchup for cd lamb but um we shall see there Last game, and this is the most problematic one, uh, it's Baltimore at Pittsburgh, obviously the dessert-slash-food coma game of the uh, of the evening. Baltimore's dealing with a lot of coronavirus concerns. Um, J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram are already on the COVID list. 
yikes, not what you want to see. Um, there were additional positive tests today on Tuesday. I don't know that we know who those are yet, but this is one interesting wrinkle. This comes from uh, Jeff Zrebeck from the uh, from the Athletic, who's covered the team for a long time. He says that obviously the tension is on Thanksgiving night uh, versus the Steelers, but looking a bit beyond that, the Ravens are scheduled to play next Thursday, December 3rd, against the Cowboys. Players hmm. who test positive can't be in the building for a 10-day period that, uh, once when they have a, a positive test. So... If a player te- – basically, any more positive tests from today on, those players will pretty much miss two games. So, like, that that's not great. Um, you know, we want to just uh, – we want everybody to recover. We want everybody to, uh, to be well. Uh, so, you know, stay healthy. But we'll see what happens with this game. Like, I think there's still a chance that um, this entire thing – could get could get canned here, but uh, I feel like I feel like the NFL will do everything possible um, to to keep that from happening. I didn't realize they also play they play next on a Thursday. That's good to know, and not not great news. Um, yeah, it seems like the Ravens are having the most Monday morning breakouts than any other team, and it's especially annoying. For, yeah, J.K. Dobbins finally emerged as the guy they were fading out. Mark Ingram, and now obviously he's missing this game. Justice Hill is back in our lives, and, and Gus Edwards becomes startable just for the opportunity no doubt even in a a tough matchup and then um Pittsburgh uh man you love to see all the targets Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool Juju Smith-Schuster's health status obviously needs to be monitored here the Pittsburgh Steelers I believe are the third highest uh neutral pass rate so even with Roethlisberger's not his uh his old self uh, you know, seven yards per pass attempt is more than four yards per carry. So maybe that's 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 working out with a dominant defense too. So the only undefeated team, uh, first time in franchise, the storied uh, Pittsburgh franchise to be that they are ten and zero. Um, and boy, they're 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 really setting up nice here in a short week for Baltimore, who just played this overtime game and dealing with a COVID outbreak. Um, that sets up pretty well for Pittsburgh. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like. <laughs> It's it's a tough it's a tough break for Baltimore, no doubt. And again, just hope everybody is uh, recovers well and, and is is healthy and everything. Um, you know, you mentioned like Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh's team right now. Like Liz and I sort of talked about this on the Sunday podcast, but like they sort of kind of tried to get uh, James Conner rolling a little bit in early portions of this game. But the best version they take of him themselves... out of the goal line. They take him out of the goal line, though. Yeah, yeah, they do, they do. I and I think the but that's just I feel like the best version of the Steelers' offense doesn't necessarily involve, you know, James Conner getting 18 to 20 touches. It involves exactly what you said, like up-tempo, short passes, efficient. They've got three good receivers, you know, and I think the order clearly goes right now, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju, as you mentioned, has a health uh, issue. Baltimore has given up the six most yards to slot receivers this year, so it wouldn't be like the worst matchup in the world uh, for for the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, slot receiver in Juju there, but if he's not healthy coming to this game, that's not great either. I noticed that stat also, and I think it was Marlon Humphrey banged up and he's healthy now. I think that might have been misleading because I think he's pretty good in the slot because I noticed that too, but maybe I'm wrong on that. But if he's uh, the Thursday night, yeah, you'll just have to, you're probably rolling with Juju if he's active, but you don't love the the hurt toe. Did you see the play? Did he, it looked like, yes. seriously, he, he, did that really happen? So did he weird. get injured with the, on, on a, on a, uh, the, the ref threw a penalty flag and it looks like he slipped on a banana peel like Mario Kart and he, and he, and he sprained his ankle. Is that really what happened? <laughs> 
it did look like Mario Kart. That's a that is a good uh, comparison to make there. Like, yeah, no, basically it was a tough birthday for Juju Smith Schuster. He's got to blow the candles out on someone else's touchdown, and then like you know that happens to him. So yeah, it was not a great it was not a great birthday for um for for Juju. You're right though to mention the Marlon Humphrey thing because. Um, I mean, slot receivers in general, like, they can get matched up with safeties and linebackers and whatever. So it's not a straight corner-to-corner matchup. But originally the plan for um, for Baltimore was they're going to, you know, they're going to keep Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey on the outside. And Tavon Young was going to return as their, like, slot corner and they rotate Jimmy Smith in. But uh, Tavon Young got injured early in the year. So now Humphrey's mostly been playing in the slot. But you know, like 66% of his snaps. However, last time, uh, I think they had Marlon Humphrey trail around um, Deontay Johnson a little bit and took him out of the game because Humphrey's their best corner and they view Johnson as the best route runner separator. So they they did do that last time they played. It will be interesting to see if they repeat that same uh, approach in this contest. So, all right, Harmon, so what, what's up with Lamar, man? Is, is Marquise Brown ever going to catch the ball again? And, and what, what do we do? I mean, this is obviously a, a horrible setup for him here too. Horrible setup. I mentioned that free agent list of of wide receivers earlier, uh, and there's a lot of people when I tweeted that out, like hoping that the Ravens sign one. The Ravens definitely need something other than frickin' Des Bryant Des- to juice up their wide receiver room. <laughs> I couldn't believe, like Tony Romo, come back to us, bro. Like I'm watching that game, and he's like basically breaking down all the ways they can throw to Des in the red zone. I'm like, Tony, this is not like the year you were playing, bro. Okay, like come back to reality here. This is 2020, and Dez is out there after getting elevated from the practice squad. Give give me a break. Like, I think Hollywood Brown's a good player, but he's not playing well right now. He's he's become part of the problem. Uh, I think as the frustration has set in, but I continue to say that this is this is a this is a Greg Roman scheme problem. You know this from your your days watch the 49ers. It's like he doesn't evolve off that first move and like no one's afraid of the Ravens right now you know like you know how to stop the Ravens at this point they've got to start to do something other than just running the ball and shooting it deep it's not working right now but that that they've shown no ability to adjust that to this point and I can't imagine that against the Steelers this suddenly gonna is, is gonna get right yeah, still obviously missing Ronnie Staley, their left tackle, facing the number one defense in DVOA without Dobbins. Uh, Andrews is banged up. Uh, yeah, this is not exactly a get-right short week game coming off an overtime loss for Lamar. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not great. All right, let's do our last segment here. Uh, it's Who Got Shelled, presented by our friends at Planters. Every Wednesday, Dalton and I are going to look back at a defense or defensive player who got absolutely shelled last week, then we'll dive into the data and point out the defensive matchups you might want to take advantage of. You know who got shelled last week was the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, they gave up probably like, you know, in the, in the end they won the game, right? But I was incredibly impressed with Derek Carr in that game. Like maybe maybe it's unfair to say the Chiefs got shelled, but like Derek Carr probably played the best game I think i ever seen him play number one and number two his players left a lot of yards on the field you know Nelson Aguilar had a bad drop he had a a good game overall but had a bad uh, drop there they they threw a lot of like outlet passes to the fullback who just popped it right off like the Chiefs got shelled last week by the Ravens and uh, I mean by the Raiders and I feel like that's good news for this Raiders offense going forward dude that's my pick who's gonna get shelled this week it's been a couple weeks since I picked on the the Raiders who rank uh 
<clears throat> I expect them to get shelled. You know, in the Falcons or in Atlanta this week indoors. Um, I know that the Falcons haven't played as well without um, Julio Jones, who's a game time decision. But man, I have Calvin Ridley as my number two fantasy wideout uh, this week. Um, Vegas ranks last in run defense DVOA, so even firing up Todd Gurley, um, all, he's like the new Chris Carter. All he does is score touchdowns. Um, and then on the flip side, the Falcons have allowed the most yards. Per, per play in the NFL. So this could be a nice high scoring game with, you know, come back with Darren Waller. And you mentioned Derek Carr is playing really, really well. So um, I like that game to be high scoring this week. Raiders and, and, and Falcons with Las Vegas's defense getting shelled. I dig that. I think that is an excellent pick. Uh, my pick for who's going to get shelled this week is the New England Patriots defense who ranks 32nd in uh, Football Outsiders DVOA. And they're coming off uh, getting shelled by uh, Deshaun Watson, I think Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals can do similar things to them. Come, the Cardinals are coming off a, a long week. They played on Thursday night. They'll play on Sunday um, morning in the Pacific time zone. Um, this it's, it's in New England, but I go by Pacific time zone because I'm a coastal elite that lives in L.A. So deal with it, folks. Uh, Kyler Murray is going to uh, shell this Patriots defense that is one of the most overrated units in the entire NFL, is a huge problem, is one of the slowest teams in the league, dealing with a lot of team speed, obviously, in Kyler Murray. I could see Murray rushing for 100 yards again in this one. Yeah, the only, the only thing with New England is they're so slow on offense, you know, the possessions, but they rank last sure. in defense DVOA, dead last. How is this spread uh, less than three points? Yeah, I, I'm with you here. Arizona, that offense destroys uh, this New England. They shell them. I'm with you. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's it's crazy that the spread is that close. That's nuts. Like, what are we doing here? Uh, Arizona's team total, implied team total, is 26.3 points. Uh, give, me, give me the over on that one, too. Give me a break. All right, Dalton, that's it for a longer-than-usual Wednesday show because we had some games to go over. Uh, tell us what else you got going on here in this short week. What are you trying to cram in to your work week here before we cram in some food on Thursday? Yeah, just fr- Friday morning, I'll come out with my sit-start column. And yeah, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. Happy Thanksgiving uh, to you, Dalton. As you Same. are trying to ignore uh, your family on your Zoom call, your FaceTime, whatever <laughs> you're doing on Thanksgiving this year, maybe you just throw in a Yahoo Sports uh, podcast into your ear holes there. Check out the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler and the Yahoo Sports College podcast lot going on there oh my god with dan wetzel pete thamel and our friend pat 40 from si follow us on twitter at yahoo fantasy i'm at matt Harmon underscore byb that's at dalton del don liz and andy will be back on friday morning to preview the sunday games have a happy and safe thanksgiving everybody
One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.